your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 656 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, I want to bring back an off-season segment that we've done in previous seasons here on Locked On New York Rangers, and uh, most of you guys seem to like it. We're going to bring back our best and worst-case scenarios, and basically, this is just what it sounds like. We're going to take a look at every single player on the New York Rangers and uh, just kind of go over uh, what could happen for them in a worst-case scenario for the upcoming season, as well as the best-case scenario for all of these players in the upcoming season. Now, obviously, we're not going to get to every single player today. We'd have to just zip through this, uh, you know, lightning quick, and uh, that wouldn't be any fun. We're going to take our time with this. We're going to basically today hone in on what I think uh, has a pretty good chance of being the Rangers' top line on opening night. We're going to do our best to figure out these line combinations and these defense pairings as we go through this exercise here in the offseason. Uh, but we're going to start with, like I said, what I believe will be the top line for the New York Rangers. That will be Chris Kreider at left wing, Mika Zibanejad at center, and I'm going to say Alexi Lafreniere at right wing. Now, obviously, nothing is set in stone. There's no guarantees that this is how they're going to line up, but if I was in charge of the Rangers, if I was the coach, which last time I checked, I am not, uh, that distinction would, of course, go to Gerard Gallant. But to me, this seems like a good way to line up on opening night uh, as far as the top line is concerned. And so uh, we'll go ahead and we'll go from left to right, and that means we'll start at the left wing uh, with Chris Kreider. Just going to dive into it here, not waste any time. Chris Kreider, now 31 years old, and believe it or not, now entering Take a guess how many seasons Chris Kreider has played with the Rangers. Let, let, let this kind of marinate for a second. Think of how many seasons he's been there. Yeah, Chris Kreider is now entering his 12th season with the New York Rangers. Now, that includes the 2011-2012 season in which he made his debut during the playoffs and obviously didn't play in the regular season, but still, he has played in parts of 12 different seasons with the New York Rangers. Pretty crazy to think about it. Coming off of just an outstanding season, uh, last year he played in 81 games. Scored 52 goals, which was uh, by far a career high, 25 assists and 77 points. In fact, those were all career highs. He was also a plus 19. That was the second best plus minus rating of his career. And then in the playoffs, also had another 10 goals and six assists in the Rangers' 20 playoff games. And Kreider, as far as the contract is concerned, he is still under contract for another five seasons at $6.5 million a pop. Which at the time, you know, I felt like that was a pretty fair number for both sides. I felt like, you know, maybe it was a little bit pricey for Kreider, but you had to entice him to staying. And that's kind of the name of the game in free agency. You have to overpay at least a little bit. Um, but, you know, they got their guy. They, they hung on a Kreider at $6.5 a pop. And now that seems like an absolute steal when you consider the season that Chris Kreider just had. And it's possible, maybe at the very tail end of that contract, that's a little bit too much for Chris Kreider. But, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And the championship window is open now. And uh, Chris Kreider got to be a big part of that. So uh, with all that said, let's go ahead and start with our worst case scenarios for Chris Kreider. We'll get that out of the way first. And then we'll end with the best case scenarios. As far as, you know, worst case scenario, I think the thing that kind of 
stands out the most, and it's probably the first thing that comes into the head of a lot of you guys as well, is he just comes back to earth a little bit as far as the offensive output is concerned, and more specifically, the number of goals comes back to earth a little bit. Uh, As I mentioned, Kreider had 52 goals last season. He had never had a 30-goal season, and before you know it, uh, he's off to the races last year, and he has a 52-goal season. Just absolutely crazy. So I think in a worst-case scenario— And not that that would be a tragedy, you know, if Kreider falls short of 52 goals. I mean, he can still have a really good season, even if he doesn't score that many. Um, But, you know, that's part of uh, kind of a bigger picture thing that I want to talk about now. And this, to me, is the one that's a little bit bigger of a concern as it pertains to Chris Kreider. If Kreider doesn't score 52 goals again, that doesn't mean that the Rangers can't be successful or anything like that. But this would hurt the Rangers if this happens. And that is that the just overall streakiness creeps back into Chris Kreider's game. And this especially is something that cannot happen when the Rangers are in the playoffs. Of course, the Rangers have to make the playoffs first, but considering the season they, that they just had and the trajectory that they're on, I think most of us would at least expect the Rangers to get into the postseason this year. But Chris Kreider, when the Rangers, if they make it into the playoffs, he cannot go back to being this streaky, up-and-down, hot-and-cold player. It happened a little bit this past playoff run for the Rangers. And overall, you know, Kreider did pretty well in the playoffs. When you look at his final uh, stats, as far as the playoff run is concerned, he ended up with 16 points in 20 games. So that's pretty solid, you know, especially when you consider that the game tightens up a little bit in the postseason. But, you know, there were chunks of that Ranger playoff run where he just kind of disappeared. I would look at certainly games three through five against Pittsburgh. During that time, he had just one assist and was a minus five in those three games, and then there was a five-game stretch, games one through five against the Carolina Hurricanes. In that time, he had just one goal and was also a minus one. So Chris Kreider, the streakiness can't come back, and it especially cannot come back into the playoffs. Something else as far as, you know, a worst-case scenario is bad penalties. I think he got away from that this past year, but there's been times in the past where, you know, Kreider just kind of lets that creep into his game as well. He'd just kind of take a lazy hooking penalty or whatever it might be and, you know, put the Rangers in a bad spot. But uh, I'm expecting a big-time season from Chris Kreider. We're going to look at that at the best-case scenarios here. And the theme as far as Chris Kreider best-case scenarios is concerned is basically uh, he's going to, in a best-case scenario, just basically pick up where he left off last year and do a lot of the things that he did uh, this past season with the New York Rangers. I think in a best-case scenario, Kreider can flirt with, 52 goals again, and I I don't think he's going to reach that total for a second straight season. It's just really, really hard to do, whether you're Chris Kreider or anybody else, and in fact, this past season, Kreider was actually third in the NHL in goals scored behind only Austin Matthews, who had 60, and Leon Dreisaitl, who had 55. So once again, I don't think Chris Kreider is going to quite get back to 52 goals, but I will say, and this is something that I mentioned during last season when Kreider was, uh, you know, just scoring goal after goal after goal and laying the lamp seemingly every single night, what he did last season, the manner in which he scored a very high percentage of his goals, I do believe it is a somewhat repeatable formula. A lot of Kreider's goals, and you guys watched the Rangers last year, I'm sure you'll remember this, but if you watch these games, a ton of Chris Kreider's goals came as the result of him basically just setting up shop in the crease and just refusing to be moved out of there, and his incredible ability to redirect shots into the net. We saw time after time after time last year, somebody would put the puck toward the net, Kreider would be there, he'd be screening the goalie, uh, he would deflect the puck with his stick and right into the net. Or in some other cases, you know, maybe uh, you know, maybe the save is made, but the puck is loose in the crease and Kreider would bury those goals as well. So if Kreider could continue to 
you know, use that formula, which I do believe is at least somewhat repeatable, then he might get back toward the 52-goal mark again. I think you're looking at a situation where, you know, he'll at least get 40. And in a best-case scenario, hey, never say never. Maybe he does get to 52 goals again. I mean, he just did it, so who are we to say that he can't possibly do it again? So best-case scenario, he gets to 52 goals again, or at least close to that, by using that formula that worked so well for him last year, that being uh, basically just being an absolute beast in the crease. Uh, something else that Kreider does in a best-case scenario, just continues to be a leader for this team. You know, we did, in our last episode, we talked about Jacob Truba becoming the team captain, and, you know, Kreider and Mika potentially both being in the running as well, and of course, it goes to Truba, but that doesn't mean Chris Kreider can't still have a really important voice in that locker room. I believe he will, and uh, they're especially going to need him to be that leader in the playoffs, because... Of all these players on the Rangers, he's the only one that knows what it's like to go to the Stanley Cup Finals with the New York Rangers as a member of the New York Rangers. So uh, they're going to need him in that spot as well once they get to the postseason, you know, just pushing the right buttons and uh, leading this team the way that he can. Uh, I think in another best case scenario, he helps either Kako or Lafreniere take that next step, uh, both as kind of a mentor and also as a linemate. Again, Chris Kreider, the longest tenured New York Ranger, one of the leaders in that locker room, and I think he's going to end up playing with either Kako or Lafreniere on the right wing. I would say Lafreniere. Uh, in a best case scenario, Kreider, just by being the player that he is and, and Lafreniere or Kako getting to play with him, uh, one or both of those guys takes that next step, thanks in part to Chris Kreider himself. Uh, another big thing for Chris Kreider is going to be the penalty kill. And again, the theme here is just, again, just kind of continuing what he did last season. So in the best case, Chris Kreider continues to be a big, big part of the Ranger penalty kill. And he's pretty much going to have to be because when you look at uh, the Rangers team right now, they lost a decent amount of forwards who were pretty good at killing uh, penalties. You look at Tyler Mott. I mean, never say never. He's still out there. It's possible he could be back, but it doesn't seem like the Rangers will be able to fit him in underneath the salary cap. So you figure Mott's probably gone. Uh, Kevin Rooney is gone. He was a very good penalty killer. Andrew Kopp is gone. He was a very good penalty killer. So they've lost some really good uh, PKers, but Kreider's also very good in that role. He had three shorthanded goals this past season. So Chris Kreider going to uh, need to continue to be one of the Rangers' best penalty killers if they're going to be as good on the PK as they were this past season. And, you know, we acknowledge Chris Kreider's streakiness just a short time ago here, but I think in a best-case scenario, if he's going to be streaky, well, let's have him get on a hot streak in the playoffs because Chris Kreider, like we've seen, we saw it for, you know, different chunks of last season as well. When he's on top of his game, this guy can, like, borderline carry a team. And if he gets on a hot streak in the playoffs, uh, that would just be uh, fantastic to see. So, again, to kind of just put a bow on this before we move on to Mika Zibanejad, basically, if Chris Kreider does what he did last year, or really even comes anywhere close to it as far as offensive production and his role that he plays on the penalty kill and his role that he has as a leader in that locker room, if he is anywhere near the player that he was last season, this season— then that'll be a best-case scenario for Chris Kreider. We're just going to keep our fingers crossed that he can basically uh, replicate the kind of success that he had this past season because that was truly just an amazing campaign uh, that Chris Kreider turned in this past year. We're going to keep this thing rolling, and in just a second, we're actually going to turn our attention to Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider's BFF, and we'll do that in just a second. But first, just got to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough. Covered in chocolate. That's right. Bilt has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture 
real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein. Like all Built Bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. You are going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, the fat, and the sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15. All right, we're going to go ahead and turn our attention to Mika Zibanejad as far as best and worst case scenarios are concerned. One thing that I wanted to add real quick here, though, I'm not going to waste everybody's time by mentioning that in a worst case scenario, this player gets injured. And in a best case scenario, this player does not get injured. I think that's pretty much common sense. And obviously, if somebody's injured and they can't play, then that's a worst case scenario for both themselves and the team. Not going to waste your time with that. You could literally say that for every player in the NHL. So moving on here, Mika Zibanejad, now 29 years old and entering his seventh season with the New York Rangers. He's got eight years left on his deal at $8.5 million per season. It's a steal because to me, he's one of the elite centers in this league and he is going to be under contract for longer than anyone else on the team. Uh, he is under contract for one year longer than both Vincent Trocek and Adam Fox. As far as last year is concerned, Mika skated in 81 games with the Rangers. He scored 29 goals, dished out 52 assists. So uh, exactly a point per game player, 81 points in 81 games. And he was also a plus 30. And, you know, plus minus can be a little bit of a hit or miss stat. It's not perfect. It's not without its flaws. Like pretty much just about any other stat you can come up with. It's got its good points and its bad points. But, man, plus 30, uh, that definitely jumps off the uh, the page to you when you see that uh, Mika was on the goal, or excuse me, on the ice for 30 more goals that the Rangers scored than they let up. So that's very impressive right there. And then in the playoffs, even better, uh, 20 games. He had 10 goals and 14 assists for a total of 24 points and was a even plus minus in that time. So uh, Mika, again, just a, a fantastic all-around player for the New York Rangers. And as far as worst-case scenarios is concerned, it's really hard to come up with a whole heck of a lot for Mika Zibanejad in this department. I would think probably of any player on the New York Rangers, you know, except for maybe Adam Fox, it's very, very difficult to even come up with you know a worst-case scenario for Mika Zibanejad because at this point, uh, we've just seen this guy get better and better and better every season. He's got just such an excellent all-around game. I mean, what could we possibly be afraid of as it pertains to Mika Zibanejad? Not to jinx anything or anything like that, but, I mean, this guy, we, we've seen him develop before our very eyes into, uh, again, one of the truly elite centers in this league. Uh, as far as, you know, trying to come up with a worst-case scenario... I think maybe there's a situation where it's possible that he could miss Frank Vetrano a little bit just because, you know, Vetrano was a sniper and Mika's a great passer, and that was obviously a really nice fit for the New York Rangers down the stretch this past season. But let's be honest here, uh, Mika's abandoned was having an excellent season and, frankly, an excellent career uh, long before Frank Vetrano ever came to the New York Rangers. I think in another worst-case scenario, maybe there's a situation where the Rangers— you know, in an effort to maybe preserve Mika Zibanejad a little bit, he doesn't get as much time on the penalty kill, which I think would be a mistake because Mika absolutely excels on the PK. But there could be a situation where, you know, maybe they just uh, want to, like I said, keep him fresh and uh, have him out there 
5v5 and on the power play, and they just don't use him on the PK as much. But I don't see this happening because uh, you would weaken your team by making such a move. Like I said, I'm reaching a little bit here, but that's almost what you have to do when it comes to Mika Zibanejad. And this last one I'm going to throw out there, I don't even really believe that this would happen, but I'll mention it just for the heck of it because we got to come up with at least a couple of things here. Uh, Jacob Trubo was named the captain. Maybe not being named the captain for Mika Zibanejad bothers him a little bit. Maybe it bothers Chris Kreider a little bit, but I don't think that'll be the case at all. I got to mention something that I forgot to mention in the Truba being named captain episode that we did. I almost feel like Mika and Kreider, neither one of them wanted to be the captain over the other one. You know, they're perfectly content being BFFs and being alternate captains together. And I feel like both of them would tell you that the other guy deserves it more. So I don't think that would happen. I don't think Mika's going to care in the least that he's not the captain and probably will be happier that he's not, in all honesty. So that's pretty much it as far as worst case scenarios. We'll go to best case scenarios for Mika Zibanejad here. Uh, I think in a best case scenario, Mika Zibanejad could set a new career high in goals. You know, Mika, I got to mention this too. He's somebody that casual hockey fans absolutely love and, you know, passionate hockey fans love him too. But, you know, I've got a friend who he doesn't really watch a whole lot of hockey, but he'll at least turn it on for the playoffs and, like, get into the Rangers, you know, if they're making a little bit of a playoff run. And uh, during, I forget which round it was this year, but uh, he texted me and he he wrote to me, he writes, uh, this Mika dude, he just rips pucks at the net. And he's right. And I hope that continues to be the case this upcoming season. Uh, Mika, back in 2019-2020, he had 41 goals in 57 games. That was his career high. Can he eclipse that total this upcoming season? I think he can. It might be tough because he's so used to setting up Chris Kreider. And I mean, how many goals is that line going to score, right? I mean, if Kreider's scoring close to 52 goals, how many are left for Mika to score? Mika's probably setting him up on a lot of those goals. Uh, I think it's at least possible that Mika could eclipse his previous career high of 41 goals. But even if he doesn't, I think he's going to finish with the second highest goal total of his career. He's His second highest to date was 30 goals in 2018-2019. I think that's definitely within reach and a realistic, uh, you know, mark that Mika Zibanejad could potentially eclipse this upcoming season. I, I think Mika, he's just going to snipe and he's going to score uh, just an absolute ton of goals uh, this upcoming campaign. I think in a best case scenario for Mika, and I think this will happen, he remains on the left side on the power play. For a long time there, uh, that was kind of Panarin's spot. And then uh, Panarin was out of the lineup for a brief time, and Mika was out there, and they put him on the left side. And man, I mean, he was just ripping one-timers and scoring on a lot of them. He just looks absolutely lethal. If I'm a fan of the opposing team that's playing the Rangers, I'm holding my breath every single time I see a pass going to Mika Zibanejad, and he's over there in the left face-off circle, you know, just winding back and ready to just let it fly. Uh, so I think in a best-case scenario, he stays in that spot for the Rangers over there on the left side. Another best-case scenario, Mika Zibanejad continues to improve on the face-off dot. You know, he's really worked hard to get better in that department over the last couple of seasons here. He was at 52.5% for the Rangers this past year after being at just 46.3% the year before that. That is quite the jump. You don't see guys improve by 6% from one year to the next. So that was uh, great to see. And obviously, it's an area of Mika's game where he's he's worked really hard. And that could finally be a strength for this team. You know, there's a little bit of a tangent here between Mika and Trocek and Gaudreau whenever he plays center and Carpenter. Uh, the Rangers have some pretty good faceoff men. So they might finally, uh, you know, that might finally be a strength for this team. Similar to Chris Kreider, I think in a best-case scenario, Mika Zibanejad really elevates Alexi Lafreniere. I think Lafreniere 
clicks more with Mika Zibanejad, more so than he does with any of his other teammates. And, you know, that's not to say that Lafreniere doesn't have some chemistry with some other guys, but the two of them, you know, when we've seen them play together, they just feel like, uh, you know, the chemistry is off the charts. They know where the other one's going to be. Uh, they've linked up for some pretty nice goals the few opportunities that Lafreniere has gotten to play with Mika Zibanejad. And like I said, I think that will be Lafreniere's spot to open the season, and I think he's really going to benefit from that. So Mika Zibanejad, not only is he himself going to go out there and have an awesome season, I think he's going to make players around him uh, quite a bit better, and none more so perhaps than Alexi Lafreniere. I think in a best-case scenario, Mika continues to uh, contribute big time in overtime periods and shootouts for the New York Rangers. Mika's absolutely lethal in the shootout. You know, this past season, the Rangers, 4-3 and three in overtime, 4-3 and three in the shootout, and that's good, but I almost feel like it should be better. When you consider the fact that the Rangers uh, have Igor Shesterkin in net and best goalie in the world, so he's more equipped to, you know, deal with uh, the increased real estate out there. You know, that's a formula for success for the Rangers in overtime because uh, he'll make these, you know, jaw-dropping saves whenever he has to. But beyond that, you know, you've got Mika Zibanejad and a whole lot of skilled players for the Rangers. You feel like they should just absolutely dominate three-on-three uh, -three overtime and also the shootout as well for all those, mentioned, all those reasons, excuse me, that I just mentioned. So I think uh, Mika is going to continue to contribute in that department. And I think in a best-case scenario, Mika Zibanejad will continue to be a dominant player in the playoffs. There were stretches this past playoff run for the Rangers. Mika looked like a man possessed out there. The, the way that he would drive to the net, the way that he would uh, just refuse to give up possession of the puck. And once again, he ended up with 10 goals and 14 assists in 20 Stanley Cup playoff games and came through in some really clutch spots for this New York Ranger team. Looked no further than the series against the Pittsburgh Penguins as evidence of that. Games six and seven against the Penguins, Mika combined for three goals and four assists in those two games and was a plus four in that time. I mean, he basically had a hand in just about every single goal that the Rangers scored. And then another chunk of the playoffs that I think uh, Mika really performed well in, uh, you look at game three against the Canes until game three against the Lightning. He had an eight-game point streak during that time. He also scored seven goals and dished out six assists in that time. So he really just basically took over for, you know, a good amount of this Ranger playoff run. And I think a lot of people were thinking that that could end up paving the way for him to become the Ranger captain. Obviously, that didn't happen. But man, Mika Zibanejad absolutely setting the example and uh, just playing his butt off in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You love to see it. And I think if the Rangers get back to the playoffs this year, uh, you're going to see Mika Zibanejad once again leading the charge and setting the tone for this team. So I'm looking forward to another awesome season from Mika Zibanejad. Like I've said in the past, I really do believe, as far as the Ranger forwards are concerned, the most consistently excellent New York Ranger forward and absolutely elite center in this league. Uh, we will wrap up today by talking about Alexi Lafreniere, who for the time being, I have him penciled in to the Rangers' top line with Kreider and with Zibanejad, and we will do that in just a second. All right, let's go ahead and turn our attention to Alexi Lafreniere, who I believe will probably open the season on the right wing with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. We don't know this for sure, but that's what I'm going to go with uh, once again for the purposes of this exercise. Lafreniere, currently 20 years old. He is finishing up his entry-level deal in the last year of that while making $925,000, and uh, he will need a new deal at the end of the year as a restricted free agent. And I think with Lafreniere more so than with, uh, you know, established players like Kreider and Mika Zibanejad, there's definitely a wider range of outcomes when it comes to, you know, best case scenario versus worst case scenario. And we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, last year, 
Lafreniere skated in 79 regular season games with the team, 19 goals, 12 assists for a total of 31 points. He was a plus two. Uh, and then in the playoffs, 20 games, two goals, and seven assists. I think in a worst case scenario, we see Alexi Lafreniere get off to yet another slow start. He has done that in each of his uh, previous two, first two NHL seasons. Lafreniere really needs a fast start. When you look at his rookie year, which again, was just two years ago, but his rookie year, uh, first 15 games of that season, he had one goal and no assists. So not exactly an ideal way to start your NHL career. Uh, and then last year, he had just four goals and one assist in his first 19 games. So uh, we need the kid to kind of hit the ground running. And I think one way to do it, and this is going to be a theme here as we continue to discuss Alexi Lafreniere, is to put him in the top six and leave him there. Or at the very least, you know, give him a decent amount of slack. And to kind of piggyback off of that, if Lafreniere was to get off to a slow start this upcoming season, which I don't think he will, especially if he's playing with Mika and Kreider and getting top-line minutes, I could see a situation where that begins to sort of, you know, try the patience of Gerard Gallant. I like Gallant. I'm very thankful that the Rangers have him. I think uh, he did a great job this past season. But he does seem to be one of those coaches who tends to favor the veterans over the young guys, and that's certainly not something that is uncommon in this league. But once again, I'm hoping that Gallant lets Lafreniere earn himself a top six role, presumably with Mika and Kreider, and then he gives him some rope and allows him to, you know, have a decent run with that top line before he really even considers making any kind of a change. You know, don't be throwing him on a line with Carpenter and with, I don't know, Dryden Hunt in the third game of the season. I'm exaggerating to make the point here, but I think you guys know what I mean. I want to see Lafreniere get a good long look in the top six to start the season, uh, preferably, once again, with Kreider and with Mika. And something else I should probably throw out there. If the Rangers do what I'm proposing here, then that obviously means that Lafreniere would play the right wing as opposed to his more natural left wing spot which I suppose in a worst-case scenario could be detrimental to Lafreniere, but it's not something that I'm particularly worried about. There was barely any difference between Lafreniere uh, playing left wing and playing right wing this past season. And in fact, you could make the argument that uh, one of his absolute best runs of this past season came when he was indeed playing on the right wing with Mika and with Kreider. So that's not something that I'm too worried about. We've seen enough evidence where I don't think it bothers Lafreniere or slows him down any if he's playing the right wing as opposed to the left wing. I think in a worst-case scenario, though, uh, Lafreniere just kind of scuffles, you know, and, and it's a situation where uh, we continue to see these flashes, you know, toward the end of this past year in the regular season. He had that ridiculous goal where, you know, he passed the puck basically to himself between his own legs and uh, then finished on the doorstep. Just a highlight real goal. Uh, it was everywhere after it happened. You could hear the Madison Square Garden crowd audibly gasp when he did it. It's fantastic. So we continue to see flashes like that, but it just doesn't amount to him being, you know, that generational talent, quote unquote, that the Rangers thought that they were drafting. That was a phrase. I didn't make up that phrase. That was a phrase that scouts were using, generational talent, and there were people saying he was the best player available in the draft since Sidney Crosby. So far in his career, it's added up to just 52 points in 135 games. Of course, part of the reason for that is that he hasn't always been in a prominent role. He hasn't always had a lot of time on the power play, things like that. And I think... uh just the fact that he's going into year three and should be used more prominently and have better line mates, I think that's all going to uh, work in a very positive way for Alexi Lafreniere. And we might as well just, uh, with that being said, go ahead and dive into the best case scenarios for Alexi Lafreniere. And I already talked about this one a little bit earlier because we had to talk about Mika Zibanejad, but I think in a best case, again, he's on that top line and he continues to show that impressive chemistry with Mika Zibanejad. The two of them, they've got something. You know, we haven't seen them play together enough to 
really see it come to fruition, but when they've been on the same line, uh, some no-look passes, some drop passes, just some great stuff. You know, they, they seem to f have a way of finding each other and setting each other up uh, for goals or at the very least high-quality scoring opportunities. I think in a best-case scenario for Alexi Lafreniere, his assist totals just absolutely skyrocket. You know, last year, there was a long chunk of this past season where uh, he was stuck on three assists for just the longest time, and it just made no sense to me. I'm like, because I'm watching him play, and I'm just like, this guy is too good of a passer to have only three assists. I just couldn't really figure it out. The assists just weren't there for him. But if he plays with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, then I think the helpers will certainly see an uptick because, honestly, how could they not? If you're out there with two players that good and you're making the kind of passes that Lafreniere is capable of making, uh, those two guys are going to finish for you. So his assists, I think, are going to skyrocket in a best-case scenario. And I think... Uh, in a best case, and this one's big. This is a big one for Alexi Lafreniere and a big one for the Rangers as well. In a best case scenario for Alexi Lafreniere, he earns a spot on the Rangers' top power play unit. I don't think you're going to see the Rangers break up the band after being so impressive on the power play this past season as it pertains to that top unit. You're going to have Panarin, you're going to have Mika, you're going to have Kreider, and you're going to have Fox, but... Who replaces Ryan Strom? Strom was always kind of the fifth man there. He's now in Anaheim, and I think the competition should definitely be on, and it should be something of an open competition in training camp, in the preseason, maybe even into the regular season a little bit. But Lafreniere deserves a chance to be part of that competition, and frankly, he would be my top pick to be in that role for the Rangers, be on that top power play unit. Strom did a nice job when he was there, but Lafreniere has a much higher ceiling than Ryan Strom. And if Lafreniere plays up to his potential, you could see that top power play unit for the Rangers be even more dangerous this year than it was last year, which is pretty crazy to think about. But Lafreniere's got that kind of ability and that kind of talent and that kind of upside. He could make that top power play unit, which was so deadly last year, even more so this season. I think in a best case scenario for Alexi Lafreniere, he also continues to be something of a pest. You know, in the playoff run for the Rangers this past year, he was in the middle of some things, you know, before and, and during and after the play and uh, seemed to not back down when it came to, you know, the trash talking department. There were times where it felt like he was starting to get under the skin of his opponents a little bit. We saw him uh, drop the gloves and actually fight Steven Stamkos at the end of game five between the Rangers and Lightning. So uh, one of those players, if he can add, you know, being a, a pest and just a pain in the butt to play against, if he can add that to his repertoire as well, that just makes him that much more effective of a player. And I think that's something that he will continue to do, especially as he gets more comfortable in this league. He was part of this, you know, crazy playoff run this past season. Uh, he's ready to go in that department. He's going to stand up to everybody and uh, certainly not back down an inch. And speaking of the playoff run, uh, we talked about how big that was for the Rangers this past year. I mean, for starters, they had a chance to win the Stanley Cup last season, and I think we all had a blast watching this team you know, advance through the first two rounds of the playoffs and doing so in very dramatic fashion. But we also talked about just how beneficial that could be for some of the younger and more inexperienced Rangers, such as Alexi Lafreniere. And, you know, I think in a best-case scenario, we see the effects for Lafreniere and some of the other young Rangers of going through this, uh, you know, grueling playoff run, and we just see kind of a more, you know, battle-hardened version of Alexi Lafreniere, and he just comes into this season absolutely ready to go, firing on all cylinders, and just hell-bent on taking over this league and doing whatever he has to do to help the Rangers uh, make it even farther this year and potentially be the last team standing. And in a best-case scenario for Alexi Lafreniere, he just explodes. He just freaking explodes. Uh, to anyone who needs a reminder of what Alexi Lafreniere did in the QMJHL, and I realize it's not the NHL and the competition is tougher in the NHL. I get all that, but... In Lafreniere's last season there, we have to throw out these numbers because they're just that ridiculous. 112 points in 52 games. 
and the season before that, 105 points in 61 games. Sooner or later, that's going to translate to success, and that's going to translate to points in the NHL. I have to believe that. It's the same logic that I used when I looked at Igor Shesterkin's numbers in the KHL and in the AHL. Uh, he obviously just had video game-like numbers everywhere he played. Now, is he going to have a one goals against average in the NHL as he did in the KHL? No, but he's going to be a darn good goalie in the NHL. I look at Alexi Lafreniere the same way. Is he going to average more than two points a game in the NHL? No, he's not. But is he going to eventually be a point-per-game player? Yeah, I think he's going to get there, and I think it has the potential to happen as soon as this season. And a lot of that, once again, is dependent on how the Rangers use him. Will Alexi Lafreniere get to play on that top line with Mika and Kreider for basically the entire season? And will he get that opportunity to uh, join the power play unit, the top power play unit for the Rangers? If he does that, uh, the sky is the absolute limit for this kid. And uh, somebody that I'm definitely looking forward to seeing this season because I think the time is upon us here. I know people have been expecting bigger results and more points, the whole nine yards from Alexi Lafreniere. But he was very good in the playoffs this past run, and I just think he's going to be ready to go this year. And again, playing with Mika and Kreider, that's not going to hurt either. So uh, very much looking forward to seeing what Alexi Lafreniere does in uh, year three of his New York Ranger tenure. As far as, you know, what we're going to be doing the rest of the week here, I'm going to get into our next episode. We're going to once again read emails from you guys as far as, you know, what you were doing and who you were with when Artemi Panarin scored against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Definitely looking forward to that. Part one was an absolute blast. And this is your daily reminder that as of this recording, I'm recording this quite a few days ahead of time, so it's possible this may no longer be accurate by the time this episode drops. But as of this recording, Tyler Mott is still an unrestricted free agent. Just throwing it out there. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Give me a follow on Twitter as well, at JChick17. And definitely subscribe to the Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. There is some content on there that is YouTube exclusive, and you will not find it anywhere else. So definitely subscribe there. Once again, thank you guys so much. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast.